0: mm hey. at New Lemon, which feels like a decade ago, and Carrie was the perfect American woman. Fast forward nearly 10 years later, Carrie has evolved, has changed relationships, both with humans and most importantly with herself. And as I followed Carrie from afar, I thought this transformation is so darn sexy. What is she doing? And so I had to ask the questions and that's what we dove into on the podcast this week. The questions of transformation, the curiosity of expansion, and how she has gone about creating a life that 10 years ago, or as she says, seven years ago, she would never have even thought of. These are moments that I think we can relate to because it is impossible to not draw inspiration from people who are out creating a life beyond their wildest dreams. I hope you enjoy this one. That's new. I've never heard Zoom tell me that before.
1: <laughs> I think Zoom had an update this weekend.
0: Oh, well, Carrie, welcome to Uncorked. Zoom has let us know that the recording has begun,
1: and here we are. Welcome. Thank you, Steph. It's good to be here.
0: I have to tell you that I know we've been sort of in and out of conversations over the past several years on you from a career perspective. And yet I have feel like in the last six months, I have really had a front row seat to witness you as a human. And I couldn't be more excited to be in exactly this place with you. And it feels like a perfect conversation to have about carry the human and your high vibes I mean vibration is is attractive it's the law of attraction at its finest so thank you for being so human in the world so that we can feel these high Keaton vibes (laughs) (laughs) you got it we were on a team call the other week and you mentioned you declared you so unapologetically declared I am done with the hustle and the grind and I'm here for expansion on a soul level, and I just stopped in my breath and said, "Can we please riff on that on a podcast?" Mm-hmm. And it's never lost on me that the journey to get to this moment in time doesn't happen overnight. And so, I mean, maybe we start at the age of 39. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that would be a place to begin. Of um, what started at 39 for you, and what has brought you to this moment, and. Let me ask you that.
1: So gosh, at age 39, I uh, was a few years out of the end of a 10-year marriage. I was single. I had gone through a solid probably four years of processing the end of my marriage, which was 10-year marriage, 15-year relationship. And what happened that year, so from 39 to 40, was the first time that I really settled in and recognized that I didn't need a partner in order to be whole, that I truly had everything that I needed. And I I think that it was a big year of sort of self-love for me. And it Started to sort of crack me open, honestly. I began practices, I began deepening practices that I had not always been consistent with in terms of prioritizing myself. And what's interesting is I started that deep dive into self. Yeah, it was also the year, now that I'm thinking about it, it was also the year that my job at an organization that I really loved came to a pretty abrupt end based on layoffs that were happening so all of that began to swirl sort of at the same time which I say this often I can now see was an invitation truly for my expansion
0: Mm. oh gosh these things that happen not in unison so they come Mm -hmm. together and they make you question and I think it's impactful that it was 39 because on the brink of 40 is a beautiful time that perhaps women perhaps it doesn't matter your gender question am i where i want to be in life or Mm -hmm. am i where i thought i'd be and it's wonderful if you're not where you thought you would be if you're okay with that Mm -hmm. (laughs) and and there are times where it feels like people quote unquote you know you're over the hill and it can feel downward and you know especially in light of the last year that we've had it's easy. We know that gravity pulls us down and yet you really have gone upward. You really have said, but, you know, to use your words, how can this be a time for expansion? And dare we say, we fast forward a few years where you're in love and you're realizing dreams come true, which aren't always linear and easy Mm -hmm. by any means, but that expansion feels so real can we just pause and say, wait, there's hope. There is always hope. And your dating exercise, Carrie, I want to hear about it. (laughs) (laughs) I call it like the hope exercise. And I wonder if we can, is it for more than just dating, but it really worked for you in the dating space. Can you fill us in on that secret?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's sort of a multi-layered exercise or experience. So I spent time at 39 getting really clear about what I needed to prioritize for myself. And it's not, not that I didn't want a partner. It's not that I had this epiphany of like, oh, I don't want, I don't choose it. I don't want to be in love. I don't want to have a partner. But the realization that I had was I don't need one. I can still want one and be 100% okay, more than okay, great in this sort of life and relationship with myself. My dreams can still come true while I am single, and I can spend this time really investing in. Yeah. And myself and the things that I really love to do. And so I actually went on a little weekend getaway to celebrate my 40th birthday. And I had a handful of my girlfriends come with me. And I share this part of the story because I'm sure there's some magic and some, some of their magic that sort of bled into what started to evolve quickly after. So it was in March And one of the declarations that I had made was that over the next year, I wanted to call in my big love and we had a full moon circle and each of my girlfriends shared what their birthday wish was for me. Many of them sharing that they were also holding the space for this dream to come true in the right time. And so that happened in March. In April, I sat down and I still have this. I sat down and I wrote. A multi-page list of things that I was looking for in my next life partner. And then I wrote a second list and that second list was also multi-pages. And it was all of the things that this next life partner would sort of get by being in a relationship with me. So not only was I reflecting to the universe, here are all of the things that are important to me to have in a partner, but I was also sharing like, and that amazing person is going to get all of these qualities in their partner through being with me. So, in a lot of ways, I feel like that exercise was a next level of self-love. I, it was the first time I had taken the time to really acknowledge myself for what I had to give in a relationship. Mm-hmm. And then in May, I so a month later, I began dating my now husband.
0: Coming from the world of maniacal, dare I say, goal setting, and with goal setting comes setting the vision, which I think we both hold a lot of space for. Somewhere along there, Carrie, we forgot that there was a law of attraction list for both the partner and ourself. And that mm-hmm. piece is what's so, you just caught me, you made my heart skip a beat when you shared, wait a minute, I wrote a list of what I will be contributing and bringing to this relationship as well.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: you just nailed it. Like the ultimate act of self-love is Mm
1: -hmm. wait a minute. There's a carry that's part of this equation too. Yeah. You know, I have played with this a lot. I have seen it come up in my life a lot. I'm a firm believer that there are people like me who it is beneficial to get very specific about the things that you want to attract into your life. So going back to this list about my husband, you know, I giggle because at this point I had, I had not ever been in a relationship with someone who had a tattoo or visible tattoos. And I wrote on my list and not out of any sort of conscious determined thought, but it just came to me. And I wrote on the list, something along the lines of, of, has a lot of tattoos and they're really artful. And then you fast forward to, you know, my now husband is pretty well covered in tattoos. So my point that I'm making is I think there are some people who it is important for us to get very specific about the things that we want to call into our life. And then I think there are others where it's more important for them to get specific about the essence or the feeling that they want to call into their life. Mm -hmm. And then being able to declare that those things that we're worthy of them, that we can hold space for them to come in. And I do think the act of writing it down is what allows that space and sort of that resonance for things to be attracted to us.
0: Mm, Yes. So are you a pen to paper person?
1: Absolutely.
0: Yes, myself as well. I feel that energetically pen to paper feels a lot different, especially than typing, you know, it's Mm -hmm. not quite the same typing. So you called in big love on your terms from a place that said I have something really sweet to contribute and I'm looking for that sweetness as well. And I mean I want to ask what feels like the bold question of like did you ever lose hope Carrie?
1: Mm, I'm pausing because I'm trying to think back to that moment in time and did I lose hope? No. I have always been a person who, like, I'm really invested in my visions. What I've learned and I'm still learning is more about trust and less about hope, because I do believe that I can hold big visions for myself. And also I can hold space for something even more miraculous to present itself to me. But where I find myself in a dance is actually in the trusting, Mm. you know, the trusting that what I desire will come to me, even when I'm not sort of hustling and pushing to make it happen.
0: Mm. I remember hearing once that hope is not a strategy and you just nailed that. (laughs) Like hope Mm -hmm. is not a strategy. Trusting is a strategic initiative. Mm. I hear that. Okay. However, I do think it's worthwhile to backtrack just a little bit. I realize we're jumping around. This feels like an important piece to not overlook though. You mentioned you were married and you had gotten divorced. And what happened in that four-year period before I asked about 39? Because that feels like it was potentially a different vibration of Carrie than who you are today.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So during that time, I would say that I was living purely through the sort of actions of my ego self. And what that looked like was I worked really, really, really hard. I had a lot of fun at work, but I mean, I spent the majority of my time working, traveling for work, really putting in the hours to my career. And I also tried out online dating you know, because when I met my first husband, I, online dating wasn't a thing. And so then I found myself single in my mid thirties traveling a ton for work. And so I tried out a few dating apps. I actually dated two people who were wonderful humans and we could probably do a whole podcast on my viewpoint around dating apps. But what I recognized is that it was not energetically in alignment for me. So that's what I spent time doing, really focusing on my career and working very hard in some ways to sort of deny that I needed to do my own personal work on self-love and poured myself into my professional life as a way to cope, honestly. I mean... Thanks for telling the truth because Ah. we
0: become addicted to things that society thinks we're working hard. Good job, Carrie. You're committed to your work. You're working hard. And you're like, wait a minute. But those said with all the love, like the workaholics, what are you hiding from? And why are you so keen to work that hard? What else is perhaps not present in your life. Yeah. And I'm hesitant to say that because I would never want to label, you, you know, yourself or anyone as a workaholic. It feels like saying someone's an alcoholic and mm-hmm. you're like, wait a minute, that's not for you to judge or you to declare. And I really respect that. So I respect that. It's not my place to label you a workaholic yet. I appreciate your candor that you dove into that and dove into, you know, as you had shared the land of destruction without looking at where you needed to do your own work. Mm -hmm. And that's big because looking at ourselves in the mirror to say, where do I need to do work is perhaps the most important relationship and the biggest space for both transformation, but also, I mean, nothing's going to hit your heart like that. Mm -hmm. And when I hear your daily practices and the work that you are now so committed to I'm in awe. You know, I love that you said, you know, who I was six or seven years ago feels like a lifetime ago. And that Mm -hmm. feels so wonderful for people to know that it doesn't take 60 years. It doesn't take decades. It can, it can all happen. And can you share more now about what this version of working on yourself looks like? I mean, it's like you're a workaholic committed to yourself and there's so much room for so many other people and experiences in this version of your workaholic self.
1: Yeah. It's interesting. I haven't really thought of it that way, but you know, working hard is part of my DNA. Amazing. I I love, yeah, I love to work, especially on things that I'm passionate about. And like, it served me really well in my career. What I have found, especially over the past few years is the distinction between working hard on sort of the ego personality side of who I am or working hard, and there being space for the soul level, what I call expansion, that is really where my interests lie now. It is an ever evolving focus for me. And, and, yeah, so I want to know the work that you're committed to now, yes. Harry. the work yes.
0: itself self that you're, I mean, I really feel like you are unapologetically devoted to.
1: So my priority now, and I guess I could say it in terms of my purpose in life now, and you know, maybe this will evolve and change throughout the years. But right now, my purpose really is to focus on my expansion as a soul who's here living a human life. And that shows up in all areas of my life, right? Because expansion can happen at any moment. Of course, it can happen in the big moments, but it also can happen in our day-to-day. And so what my focus is and what my sort of life looks like right now is slowing down so that I can, in some ways, devote my time, resources, and focus on the expansion of my soul to give myself permission to be the, you know, one in 7 billion unique human who's here Mm -hmm. to have this one experience that isn't going to be identical to anyone else's Mm -hmm. and to have the permission to tell those stories Mm -hmm. with the hope that it will give others that same level of permission. Mm -hmm. And I find a lot of, Joy, I mean, I I talk about joy a lot because I actually think that life is meant to be full of ease and grace and joy. Mm. And there are still going to be disruptions, heartache, Mm. contrast, challenge, but those things don't have to be hard. Mm. Beautiful. How does it feel to you to be one in seven billion? it feels liberating, honestly. Yeah. And I, this is a recent awareness. I would say in the past couple of years, turning 40 was a big milestone for me. I felt in a lot of ways that I was able to take off the mask, Mm. take off the disguise. I felt this new level of freedom to be me Mm. after spending a lifetime trying to be the best at being the same as everyone else. And I wasn't doing very well. I wasn't doing well at being just like everyone else and then being the best at it. And so to turn 40, I just felt this new level of permission. And then And over the past couple of years, I really have begun to deepen my understanding that all of us are here for a reason, Mm -hmm. and it's really unique and individualized. And unfortunately, we're living in a world that is focused on scaling and expanding. And there's a lot of focus on sameness, Mm -hmm. which feels out of alignment for me. Oh, yes let's be
0: the anti-sameness crew shall we yes (laughs) oh you make my heart skip beats because this is just it and I want to acknowledge that I really appreciate your candor around age and that this can happen in any moment in time for people Mm -hmm. and it can start afresh and anew at any moment in time and we will make sure to include the links in the show notes of where people can find you, because there are so many really heart wrenching and joyful stories that you are sharing online right now. And we won't go into those yet. I do want to make sure that we let people know about your offerings. So can you riff on that for a hot second, Carrie? And I just want to plug that. What you might not say is that these are offerings to so illuminate people's liberation and not the sameness and so Mm -hmm. this is an offering to within your presence it feels like there's an invitation to release the mask and there's no sameness and yet there is some really special work that you're doing that we could all be you know just a little bit more aware of self-love with Carrie
1: Mm, yeah thank you for saying that stuff So there are a few things that I'm very excited about. The first is a program that's called Nourish, and it is an eight-week virtual program. We're starting on June 13th, and it's a circle of women, and it's sort of a coming home to self, so a focus on what nourishes us, body, mind, and soul. I highly recommend it. It will be the third time that I've done it personally, and each time I've just been so overwhelmed with the next level or the going deeper into myself. And it's really supportive. There are three of us who lead it. And like I said, it's a virtual group. So you can find out more about that on my Instagram page, which is Carrie Keaton. And then the second thing that I'm excited about is actually a brand that is currently coming to life. It's been a really fun project for me. It's called The Vessel. And the way that I like to describe it is a lifestyle brand for us to be the vessel or the container for our own expansion. And it is coming to life. So if you decide to follow it now, you'll be on the journey of sort of watching me build something. I'm excited about it for a variety of reasons, including I've spent the past 20 years climbing the corporate ladder. And I got to the top rung and I realized that I had this moment and stuff. You always talk about the and. I had this moment in 2020 where I thought to myself, wow, I'm a mystic living the life of an executive. Mm -hmm. And I felt really challenged in that for several months, but I've shifted my perspective where I now see, wow, I am a successful executive, and a mystic and I've climbed the corporate ladder and I'm on one of the top rungs. and I feel like the vessel is a reflection of me being able to take a leap off of the top of that ladder Mm. into a new level of what's possible, um, not only for me, but for those who want to be in a conversation with me about their soul and how they can live in alignment. Mm.
0: Ah, Yes. Let's be the and and not the masked version of ourselves. Yes, That feels so appropriate. We'll make sure the links are in the show notes. Carrie, I'm so grateful to be in your orbit. I'm so grateful to learn from you. I'm grateful to be reminded to hold space versus fill air. I'm grateful to listen to your words. And I am really, really excited to see what this next year holds for you and recognize that it has been a lot of work and a lot of divine intervention and manifestation. So mm-hmm. ah, I'm grateful. Thank you. Thank you. We end every podcast though, with one last question. And that is my friend, what is making your heart beat faster in this exact moment?
1: Mm. Soul connection. Mm. Yeah.
0: I hear that. Soul yeah. connection or bust. Uh, Well, go forth and have a beautiful day. Thank you for sharing your heart and your truth. Be sure to follow Carrie in the links below and know that you're really up for a ride of what's possible if you're up for following the stories. And if you need support to feel as vivacious as Carrie, please check out what she's up to because I like hearing about it and you
1: might too. Thank you staff.